your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to a Friday of Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line if you want to get in here. We're, what, an hour away from Bob Euchre and the Brewers? How many people are excited for that? If you want to listen to that, WKTY has got it. 96.7 FM, 5.80 AM. So what do you, I think we even sync it up so you can like watch your TV and have the Brewer game on the radio at the same time. I believe that's how those guys do it over there. They, they, they get the delay adjusted just right for you. Uh, on the show today, in just a couple of minutes, 10 minutes, Dr. Andrew Jagum, Director of Sports Medicine Research at Mayo Clinic Health System. We're going to talk about sports for a little bit. And the idea of reopening schools and having sports. The WIAA pushed back some sports about a week and other sports about a month. So those like contact sports, volleyball. Not that volleyball is a contact sport, but it can be. And football, obviously, a contact sport. So those got got pushed back about a month to uh, September 7th, I believe. And, you know, the non-contact, the, the less risky sports Got pushed back just a week. Going to start up, you know, not too long from now, about a month. And um, before we get to that, though, there there, we did have some news. You know, this is this is big parking study downtown Lacrosse, and I just I just picked Brad's brain for uh, some added information. There's a story on WisdomNews.com. From Rich, well, from from Brad, but it's uh, about this parking study that Rich and Associates has done, and I was I was just like, did they just do a parking study in the last couple of months? Because that would be the the stupidest time to do a parking study. What are we going to learn in the middle of a pandemic? Nobody's downtown, and in fact, we could probably use the parking spots to, uh, you know put businesses out there, right? Instead of having to go into businesses, we could be selling on the streets. We could be bar- bartering on the streets. And uh, so, but apparently this parking study by Rich and Associates was reauthorized, Brad just told me, in March of 2019, so a year ago. And he said the last time it was done was 2014. So it's been six years since we, five years, I guess, since we did a parking study. So I guess maybe we're doing one every five years. And they released the 300-page document of the parking study. So like a page a day, right? Like every day, they're like, you know, we got 65 days where we don't have to do a page. But those other days, we need a page a day out of this parking study to make it look like we earned our $100,000. That's how much uh, the city paid, apparently, for this parking study. And... uh uh, the, the way Brad writes this, uh, the parking problems in lacrosse won't be solved overnight. <laughs> yes. We're, well, are there problems? And that's kind of the, the other thing is this the study essentially says that people are complaining that there's no parking because they want to park right in front of their building they want to go into. You want to go to Qdoba? There's not a parking spot within 40 feet of the building. I am not going. I can't even find a parking spot. I have to drive to the next block to park. Are you crazy? There's no parking in downtown Lacrosse. So essentially, the uh, the 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 part of the study finds that Lacrosse needs more signs to tell people where to park. There's a parking ramp over here across the road. You can go park there, and then 
you know, go to the business that you want. You'll have to walk maybe a block or down a flight of stairs. Didn't you know there was parking? Apparently nobody knows that there's uh there's parking there's parking in here. So um just kind of a funny like ah oh, hundred thousand dollars to uh to tell us that hey there's there's uh there's parking spaces right over here. If you if you know we need you, you just gotta have the city build some signs to tell people that there's a parking ramp down the, the next block. It just sounds like people are lazy to me. And you <laughs> You can't you can't park right outside the uh, Big Al's to get your pizza because you don't want to carry it's doing carry out right so you don't want to carry the pizza a block away you want to you want to just get out grab it and go and uh, you can't do that you have to walk a block because there might not be those three spots right in front of the door might be taken six zero eight seven eight five seven nine one four Tom says turn my mic on so apparently nobody can hear me uh, I, I feel like turn your radio up Tom I don't know <laughs> the mic's on. If it's not if it's not coming through, it's beyond my control. I have no idea how to do it. I'm not an engineer. 608-785-7914. Like I said, Andrew Jagum's gonna come. Uh gonna, I'm calling him. He's not coming in here. Uh director of sports medicine research for Mayo Health System, Mayo Clinic Health System. And uh he'll be on in a minute. I do have a couple calls, so I just I know I know I I opened a can of worms with the parking thing. And we'll probably talk about it Monday because they're they're gonna they're gonna present their 300 page study at the board of public works meeting on Monday. So you know what Monday's show is going to be about, but, uh, we got to call a caller. Who's this? Scott. Hey Scott, go ahead. It is good. I think that anybody who, um, wants to be on this committee or deal with a parking situation, all they got to do is go about four hours south of here during the day, any business day, and then go try to do any business inside the city of Chicago. Just go drive around there for two, three hours, then come back here, and then you'll because I've never in my whole I've been here twenty one years. I've never had a parking problem. Right downtown, I used to work downtown. I just came from downtown. I pulled right up in front of the dental office that I was going to pick up at. Yeah, and I then think I walked in, picked it. There's no parking problem here. Well, there definitely isn't a parking problem right now as we, uh, you know, we're kind of in a pandemic and nobody's really wanting to go into stores. But you're right. Yeah, go to. And then when and then, Scott, when we complain about traffic to the extra five minutes it takes to oh. get from downtown lacrosse to on Alaska or something. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It is. I mean, I've been uh, I'm not even going to bring it up. I don't even want to think about what it used to be like to live there. Yeah, all right, Scott, thanks for the call. I want to get to these other calls before I go to news and then bring Andrew Jagum on. Uh, number three, go ahead. Well, at least we hired a consultant for $100,000. We got people down City Hall making a lot of money here, and they can't even think how to park a car. Yeah, I thought, yeah, I thought we had a whole parking utility. I thought we had people to figure this out, but the... The police, well, no, the police has taken over. has got a different job now. Right, and the police has taken over the parking utility. So, you know, when we talk about defunding the police, we talk about, hey, maybe the police doesn't need to be in charge of parking also. Like, maybe they can just I've do said the- that for years. There's too many white shirts down there pushing the parking problem around at City Hall. They're paid way too much to do that kind of work. Yeah, and we'll continue this conversation sure. Monday. I, I, I want to get Andrew Jagaman here. So thanks for the call, number three. Ten four. All right. And Eric from Sparta, real quick, Eric, you got 15 seconds. Uh, Lacrosse Union decided to stop editing their paper, print edition on Monday and Tuesdays. I bet their price will go up next time you pay it. Thank you very much, Rick. Yep, no problem. Thanks for being quick there, Eric. Uh, Yeah, if you want to get news, wisdomnews.com. It's 
free. We're giving the we're giving our news away for free. You don't even have to fill out a survey when you go and uh, try to read our story. So I suggest going there. All right, we got to take a quick break. Brad doing the news. We'll come back and we'll talk a little bit about reopening and how do we play high school sports in a minute right here on Wisdom. Oh, I had my mic on there. <laughs> Welcome back to Lacrosse Talk for you. 608-785-7914. Dr. Andrew Jagum, Mayo Health, well, let me do it right, Mayo Clinic Health System, Director of Sports Medicine Research on with us. How's it going, Good. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm doing. I'm doing well. I'm. I'm pretty pumped that the the Brewers are going to be on in about 45 minutes here. Are and now I know you were in St. Louis for a while. Did they flip you then to be a Cardinals fan, or or were I don't even remember if you were are originally from Wisconsin. No, I'm not. So I was going to. I was about to say I grew up being a Twins fan. So uh, when I went down to St. Louis, I did get a little bit sucked in the Cardinal Red Nation just because it's hard not to down there. They're a pretty passionate fan base and. It was fun going to the games down there, but but yeah, I'm excited to watch uh, both Brewers and Twins. I, I like watching both teams, and it helps that they're in different uh, leagues. Uh, I feel like you can kind of cheer for them both at the same time, and I'm kind of optimistic about both their seasons too, especially the Twins. They got a lot of firepower back, so I'm hoping they can kind of continue with some of that momentum this season. Yeah, the Twins had a really weird. They went from like 100 losses to I, I don't if they had a they must have had 100 wins last year as well. Yeah, and they did it in a very non-twin fashion, too. It's just straight firepower at the plate and hitting nothing but home runs, which is something they hadn't done in a long time like that. So it's but but in twins fashion, they did it with a bunch of guys that really nobody expected or nobody heard of. It's not like they went and got a bunch of big-name, you know, high-priced dudes either. Yeah, yeah. And then also in twins fashion, they ran into the Yankees in the playoffs. <laughs> That was the end of that season. So. <laughs> that always happens. Uh, maybe the coronavirus uh, will take out the Yankees before the Twins have to deal with them. Yeah, that is the one wild card about the season is that could hit any team at any moment and certainly shake things up. And it'll be interesting to see how teams adapt to losing players on a ten to fourteen day span like that at a you know moment's notice. I know in my fantasy league they already have a little category with players to list them as COVID positive, so you know they're out for the next week's rotation. Yeah, I, I uh, we we do our own fantasy football league, and we kind of we kind of make up the rules. And I was like, I think we need like a coronavirus designated injured list or something for because because otherwise the NFL doesn't really have that. But it is kind of funny to think like that. Um, all right, so you're uh, we're speaking with Doctor Andrew Jagum. He's the director of sports medicine research at Mail here in La Crosse. Um, can you can you kind of describe what your job is again, real quick? Yeah, so over at Mayo, I'm kind of overseeing a lot of the research projects that we do within sports medicine. So we work with a lot of different sports teams, I'd say mostly uh, with UWL and their athletics program, uh, working in different projects to help kind of optimize athletes' performance, looking at different things that we can do to help them kind of stay healthy throughout a season, reduce risk of injuries, and then kind of get them bigger, stronger, faster so that they're performing better on the field or court as well. So kind of the best job in the world is how I usually describe it. I'm pretty lucky to be in my position and I kind of just get to play in different aspects of sport and sport medicine all day throughout the year. So it's a pretty fun job. Now in the last five months, how much has your job changed? Because, uh, you know, either you can't do a lot of that research and also there's this virus that everyone's trying to figure out. And now how do we play sports with it? Yeah, absolutely. It's tough being a sports medicine department without sports in the world. So we've, 
we've had to shut down a lot of our projects and it's kind of allowed us really to get caught up and get a lot of our data kind of analyzed and submitted for publication. So we're trying to maximize the downtime as best we can. And then now kind of like everyone in sports gearing up to see what the fall brings us and see what kind of projects we could maybe still run with, obviously in some kind of type of modified fashion and, and hope that we can just kind of get some data and, and help athletes out along you know, as long as the seasons are going, I guess. Yeah, now, and, and how we want to break this conversation down, we're going to talk a little bit about pro sports now and then come back and kind of compare that with high school sports. The Obviously, the WIAA came out with some dates, and that's really about it. But when we when we look at pro sports, the if we look at the big three, the NFL, Major League Baseball, and the NBA, they're kind of all doing something a little bit different, right? Yeah, they are. I, if I had to pick, I'd say the NBA is probably going about it the best route with kind of a bubble tactic where they're literally just kind of locking people in at that Disney resort, trying to limit as much of people as they can in and out of that bubble and really trying to kind of control as much as they can. So I, I feel like they have the best shot of having a successful season, seeing it all the way through to the end. And they also have one of the shorter ones, too. They they don't have that many games before they're starting their postseason so. Again, I feel like the likelihood of the NBA being successful uh, during this pandemic is probably at the highest. And then, yeah, the you know, I was going to say that with the NBA, they get to cheat a little bit because they're wrapping up a season, so they're going to start eliminating teams. It's not like they got to play a complete season in a bubble because that would, you know, if you tried to play baseball or football in a bubble, hey, can you guys just stay in this bubble for for eight months? Is that cool? Nobody would want to do that. Yeah, and I think they're struggling already, even after just a couple of weeks. You know, you hear about these odd stories of players kind of breaking the rules a little bit. Yeah, they're uh, DMing, and... they're DMing Instagram models to see if they can co- sneak them into the bubbles, <laughs> and then and then even fast food and models. I heard they're trying to get into the bubble. Yeah, yeah, it's funny what the temptations are to uh, get them to kind of step outside the lines a little bit. So I'm hoping that you know they just kind of start following the rules, I guess, and. And I think they'll self-police each other quite a bit because I think they realize the more they take it seriously and kind of stay within the guidelines, the better their chances are to having a successful season. So I, I hope that just kind of naturally takes care of itself. Should uh, Speaking with Dr. Andrew Jagum, Director of Sports Medicine Research at Mayo, should, uh, could this backfire too, being all in the bubble? And uh, A, yeah. they called it a bubble. A bubble is very weak. If you just, It's real easy to pop a bubble, but they should have called it like the steel trap or something like that. Um, but also... Yeah. If somebody gets the virus, is it is is it likely to you know if one team gets it and you're you're all I don't know is it, it, it could this backfire in a bigger way than maybe for say baseball or football? Yeah, absolutely. I've had that fear myself of that can you know, go against you really quickly when you trap everyone in the same spot. If you have an outbreak and can't accurately kind of clamp down on who has it, who they've been in contact with, they could rapidly spread and take out the whole league almost overnight or, or within a short time frame. So you, you just hope that that doesn't happen. I would think the, the kind of weakest spots in that scenario are the staff members of the resort that are, are actually going in and out a little bit. So you just hope they're taking the necessary precautions and, and just trying to reduce the risk of that as much as possible. Yeah, when I first thought about this, I thought, oh, the NBA, play- it'll be cool. There won't be crowds, but like the NBA teams that aren't playing can go and watch the the other teams that are playing and maybe we can get some commentary from them. Then I'm like, well, maybe that won't happen because that would just, that would just increase the odds of spreading the virus. If those guys are all in the same room at the same time, even just watching. Right. Yeah. It will be interesting to see how this all plays out. Now, obviously we have baseball started. We had a little bit of baseball yesterday 
And I think guys are even testing positive as we go here, but baseball obviously can't bubble. It's the season 60 games long. We can't do that. Um, you know, how, what are your expectations with baseball? Do you see this? Uh, I've heard people, you know, on ESPN say there's like a 1% chance that, that the season finishes. Yeah, I know Buster only has been real big on that pessimistic view too of just really doubtful little work. And, and I think in the situation of baseball, their biggest risk factor is how much traveling that they're going to be doing because they're still going to be going from city to city to play in different stadiums, even though they've reduced, uh, you know, some of the distances they'll be going, they're still going to be traveling through airports and stuff. So I, I think that's probably their biggest risk. But when you look on the field, I don't know if you watched the games last night, but, you know, a good majority of them were in masks. A lot of guys in the dugouts were wearing masks. They were even socially distanced a little bit, you know, during the anthem and stuff. So in terms of on-the-field risk, I feel like it's probably a little bit less for baseball because you're, you're kind of just spread out all over the field. But it's it's the traveling to different stadiums that I'd be a little bit concerned about, and you hope that they can, again, just kind of take all the necessary precautions that are realistic in those scenarios and, and just try to avoid what they can. Yeah, when, when I talk to the Ken Gilliam, the fire chief here in town, he talks about how he has his crews on different, even in different buildings. There's one crew in one building, and then if they have to go somewhere, you know, if they don't have to bring multiple crews, they just ha- designate one crew just so they're not intermixing. Uh, baseball, I wonder if they do that. I wonder if they take multiple planes. You know, we're going to put the pitching staff on one plane or maybe half the staff on one plane. And Because if your whole pitching staff is on a plane and someone gets the virus and they all go down, that's it. You can't play baseball. Yeah, I guess. I, I haven't heard what they're doing with modifications to their traveling schedule of, of what that looks like. But that, I would hope they're doing something like that, like you said, to just minimize your risk of a, an outbreak on your team and kind of knock out one position group all at once. And, and football would have that same risk, too. Yeah, I think maybe like with the Packers, you just you literally keep Aaron Rodgers in a bubble until it's until he runs out onto the field, right? Like you just keep him in a bubble. Otherwise, your season's over. Yeah, uh, well, otherwise we'll see if that risky draft pick comes off on, but I don't think people are ready for that quite yet. <laughs> Jordan Love, yeah. Um, yeah. Now, do, do you see the way the, these pro sports are doing it as a little bit unfair as compared to the rest of society, where in, even in Lacrosse County, I've heard, you know, yesterday we had callers complain that, that his friend had, had gone to the National Guard testing site, which was over a week ago now and hasn't gotten results back, and I've heard that people – you know, we've run out of tests. There is a guard testing site. It ended a hour ago. I don't think they ran out of tests this week. But um, the idea that you can't get tested if you don't have symptoms, we can't test everybody. You know, even if I, if if I, if you got the virus, Andrew, and then me and you were hanging out at some point in the last two weeks, I would, and I'm not showing symptoms. I've heard that I can't go get tested because I'm not showing symptoms. Yeah, I've kind of heard a lot of that controversy as well. That there is somewhat of an unfair advantage for some of these athletes and. You know, it's hard to argue against that. I, I get people feeling that way, but we also see that in other industries, you know, just maybe more high-profile people or have more risky positions, they're more likely to be tested more frequently, and I guess that's just kind of the reality of the situation we're in. And and like you said, in that example, if we were to both or be in contact, one of us gets infected, you, know, you can always just self-quarantine. It's not the most fun thing to do, but chances are that's probably what the county health department would recommend anyway, and whether or not you need the confirmed test to to justify doing that, I guess some people would like that confirmation, but I think we'll see it even in sport. If there were roommates and one of them tests positive, they'd probably make the other one just self-quarantine as well. 
Um, so, and testing is by no means a perfect system. Uh, depending on what kind of test, you can get results back within a day, or it could be, you know, five days up to a week and a half. And, and some of them you can do rapid point of care testing where you get results back in, in 30 minutes. So it all kind of depends on what test they're using and where it is. Yeah, uh, we're talking with Dr. Andrew Dragum. We're going to break here for Scott's Common the News. When we come back, we're going to kind of compare what pro sports are doing and now and, and then kind of transition into uh, how we start high school sports. So we'll be back after this. I'm with you. All right, welcome back to the Crosstalk PM. If you've got questions for Dr. Andrew Jagum, 608-785-7914. Shoot me a text. Give me a call. 608-785-7914. Dr. Jagum's the Director of Sports Medicine Research. He's also had to figure out a coronavirus and, and trying to play sports. I think I, I think you're trying to figure that out a little bit. Uh, and, and the WIA yesterday, they they kind of postponed the start date for sports. So the the the, the low risk sports, I, w- I guess, is what we're calling them: the girls' golf, girls' tennis, and and girls' swimming and cross country. I think are pushed back even less than a week to August 17th. And then uh, the the higher risk sports, football, volleyball, soccer, pushed back to September seventh, which is about a month from when they were able to start practicing. Do you do you agree with this? Is this just kind of like delaying the inevitable that we're not going to have sports? What do you what do you think of these this decision yesterday? Yeah, it, it does feel a little bit like you're just kind of kicking the can down the road. I don't know if the decision was somewhat reflective of kind of the current uh, rise in cases that we've seen over the last couple of weeks. I don't know if this is kind of in an effort to hope things have calmed down a little bit. Uh, but I would think they would want to try to get started up a little bit before school does start in person, kind of like they've done in the past with, with high school sports schedules. So um, I, I don't know. I don't know if more guidance and policies are still forthcoming. That was the other thought I had, too, of maybe they're just still working yet on plans and contingency plans, so they just need a little bit more time. Uh, and I know it is coupled with a lot of, Sports have decided not to do kind of non-conference or I guess exhibition games, so they did have more time in their schedule to play with a little bit. So it could very well be all of the above as to why they they came out with that decision yesterday. Yeah, maybe even that the idea that we might not have kids in school, students in the classroom, but we're going to have sports is kind of uh, the, the the same deal with the the problem college has. Hey, if we're not if we don't have students on campus then we, how do we have college sports, right? It's kind of a weird dichotomy because, like, what, only the athletes get to come to school then? or you know, I don't know. You've probably dealt with that a little bit more too, right? Yeah, and I've heard a lot of people complain about that too. You know, if it's not safe enough for kids to be in classes in person, why is it safe enough for athletes to be competing in person? And, you know, I think it'll just kind of be a case-by-case scenario where, where schools or sports have to make their own decisions. Yeah, and they talked. It was a three-hour meeting, and there were some twenty people on this meeting. the The board of control is eleven people, so they voted, I think, eight to three to approve the the pushing the dates back. But a lot of what, uh, some of what they talked about was the idea that sports are really important. We need kids to be in sports because of you know, like it's it's a social thing. It, it increases their you know, there the all kinds of things that you could say that are good for sports. But also on the flip side, like we need kids in school. The classroom setting is good for for children, young children, older children. The, you know, there's a social aspect there too. So, I mean, you can make this argument. I don't think anyone's arguing that we shouldn't have sports or shouldn't have kids in in the classroom. It's it's and, and maybe the kids are kind of sort of 
immune to the virus. Maybe not immune, but they're not as affected as badly. But when the kids go home, that's that's when the problems start, right? Yeah, I think that's kind of been the thought process all along. It might not necessarily be the, the kids and the athletes themselves. It's the support that surrounds the sport. So the parents, the coaches, uh, you know, facility staff and so forth, those are the ones that might be at a little bit higher risk. So I, it's not just an effort to protect the athletes themselves. It's it's really everyone around the sports and the community beyond because it really does take kind of a group effort to, to clamp down on this and minimize community transmission. And, uh, you know, I think one thing that you can look to is a, is a precedent really for having sports, but not necessarily classes in person would be kind of like the homeschooling approach where if kids are homeschooled, generally they're still allowed to participate in a school sport if they're within that district. So, these are unprecedented times, so we have to make unprecedented adjustments and decisions. And, and so, you know, you just kind of try to do the best you can. And I understand the, the benefits of sport, both physically and mentally. So, I, you know, I tend to understand where they're coming from and making these decisions. So, you just hope that it, it goes off without a hitch. And I, I think worst case scenario is you, you do see an athlete get sick, and that's when people would really have to answer to some difficult questions, both at the high school and collegiate level. If you're putting student athletes at risk and not necessarily the rest of the student body population, that that's just a, a difficult scenario. And, you know, I don't think anyone would be, you know, blaming anyone. It's just be, it would be some hard questions. We're speaking with Dr. Andrew Jagum, Director of Sports Medicine Research at Mayo here in La Crosse. Uh, the idea of getting kids in the classroom, uh, there's there's a little bit more flexibility here in, in terms of being able to social distance. We can have kids wearing masks. We can, we can do things to keep the teachers safe. And I think we could do things to keep the coaches safe if we want to. Uh, I don't think the co- coach needs to be in the middle of the, the circle where the kids are kneeling and, and spitting on everybody. But um, once the kids, once this, the athletes start playing, they're they're not going to be wearing masks. They're definitely not going to be social distancing. So uh, when it comes to sports, it's a little bit of a different uh, a different game. Per, you know, no pun intended there, but d- different game than than kids in classrooms. Yeah, and like you said, you just kind of have to go all in because once the game starts, there's not much you could do, um, you know, to reduce the, the risk factors there. If you think of sports like wrestling basketball when they're in such close proximity when they're indoors so you just kind of have to assume everyone's aware of the risk and able to make the decisions for themselves and that's kind of the best we can do under these circumstances do you think it's a little bit more a little bit safer for high school athletes to be playing sports versus the pros that are that are kind of ramping up now because they're just just because they're older i think it would be such a case-by-case scenario and, and kind of depending on you know, their current health situation and, and their family around them. So I don't think necessarily one would have an advantage over the other and truly would be kind of on a case-by-case basis. Now, when when pro sports get going, I, I imagine that they're going to test everybody maybe after or before every game or maybe the next morning or something. There's going to be a lot of testing going on. And uh, can we even, we can't even do that with, with high school athletes, right? That would just, the money would be, would, there's probably not a test testing capacity and then schools would need the money to pay for the test too, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't think there's any chance that there'll be a, a school or kind of sport, um, you know, facilitated testing program. Any individual who is showing symptoms, you know, if they're under their family's health insurance plan, obviously you could go in and get testing if they meet the criteria, but I don't think any of that will be orchestrated from 
kind of an organization or a school district standpoint, because like you said, they, they just don't have the resources to logistically pull that off. I know some colleges have set up kind of on-campus open testing where you can just kind of walk up and, and get a test if you are showing symptoms or if it's coming in close contact. So I am aware of a few of the larger schools that have already started that and plan to throughout the fall, but I don't think that's happening at the high school level as far as I know. Now, when we if if high school sports do get going, we we see the case in in basketball. They're playing in a bubble in Major League Baseball. If you watched the game last night, it was a little weird to see you know little court I guess cardboard cutouts in the, <laughs> behind home plate. I, how strange was that to you? Did you see that? Yeah, it was really weird. I, I know some stadiums you can pay. You know, it's a, I think it was like two hundred fifty dollars, and you can pay to get your own face on one of those cardboard cutouts. And if a uh, a ball happens to hit the cardboard cutout. I think they send you the ball on the bail. So they're just trying to make it somewhat, you know, entertaining and engaging to their fans. But it, it certainly was odd to to see that, and then also without the crowd noise too. I know they're trying to artificially pump that into the stadiums a little bit, but that's got to be a bit of a work in progress too to make that just come natural. So it's it's an odd feel. Definitely got to be an odd atmosphere for the players, and I would imagine it's going to be the same for an NBA too to just hear nothing but sneakers and uh, hardwood. Oh, what I heard the NBA with the ball bouncing, so it's going to be an odd feel. What I heard the NBA is going to do is they're going to put. I don't know how the, exactly they're going to do this, but the crowd, the the players, I think get up to like three hundred or hundred. I don't remember the exact number now. I think about it, but they're they're going to let their friends zoom in to the game, and then they're going to have screens on the sideline. So there might even be crowd noise at NBA game. I hope so. I heard I heard that rumor too. I hope they can logistically pull that off. That'd be really interesting. Um, now, now, when it comes to high school athlete or athletics and and playing sports, obviously, if my kid's playing sports, and I, you know, I'm Uncle Rico, like I can't play football anymore. I got to watch my boy play quarterback. And can can are parents going to be allowed to go to the games? Like I got to live vicariously through my kid. And if he can't, if I can't watch him play sports, then I don't care if he plays sports. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, that's where again, I was hoping that they would have more kind of news or information about that in yesterday's decision. So I'm, I'm sure that's still coming, but I, I would think they're still letting at least parents in to, uh, you know, watch these games. You think your typical high school football game, you could still space out quite a bit. A lot of those fields around the, uh, the football field itself. So I would imagine they'll still allow at least outdoor sports to do that. I'm not as sure or confident that with, with indoor. So, it may be limited significantly if you think a sport like basketball, I bet they try to just limit it to parents only and, and go from there. But we'll, we'll just kind of see how everything evolves throughout the year. Yeah, I guess they and they they, they kind of did that last year with the uh, state tournament until they canceled the tournament. They they only allowed family members, I think, uh, to, yep. to go to those games. But the, and then the next the next issue, the WI, they kind of said, too, if fall sports you know, have to get canceled barring some, you know, they first they gave the flexibility of, you know, don't worry about your schedule too much. Just try to play schools that are <laughs> that are around you that are in session, essentially, that haven't canceled their uh-huh. sports. Um, but the, they gave them the flexibility too. like if your fall sport gets canceled, maybe we can start up that sport again in the spring. Do you get worried about the health of students and, and trying to hey, now they have a month to get prepared? And I know when I was in high school, I definitely didn't get get ready for sports until it was two-a-day football. You know, like I wasn't preparing all summer for that, uh, which blew my NFL careers. Uh, but but do you get worried about stuff like that? Like, hey, we're going to have fall sports and then it's canceled. Yeah, we'll just finish the football season, you know, in the spring. 
Yeah, not only that, and I would feel bad for multi-sport athletes. I think of the number of sports I played in high school, and then you're, you're putting an athlete in a tough spot if you make them choose of which sport they want to do or if they somehow are allowed to play both at the same time. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how those decisions are made. But going to your point, it certainly would be hard to bounce back and forth of shutting it off and on, of getting geared up for game mode, and then all of a sudden taking three months off or – switching to your other sport and going back and forth. So it's it's not going to be easy for these athletes. I hope that they are you know, kind of doing their best to get some type of training in now if they've been you know, deconditioned, to say, over the summer. So now's the time to get in, uh, kind of rev back up again and get in uh, game condition. Yeah, I was going to say, and this is your bread and butter. If you want to just, if you want to just go off on a rant here on – uh, athletes have about, you know, maybe maybe a month, maybe two, maybe a month and a half, depending on the sport, to get ready. Um, I had a texter here ask if uh, high school and and younger kids are there going to be a lot more injuries once sports return. Um, but can you can you just give your this is you know like I said your bread and butter on uh, what do kids need to do to get back into it? I would say the more uh, kind of sport-specific you can be with the way you're doing training and conditioning, the better. That's really going to help the athlete from a physical standpoint get as prepared for the season as possible. So if you take a sport like football, the more you can mimic the, the game flow of a football game where you're doing maximum effort about 5 to 10 seconds in duration, then you know, 20 to 30 second recovery. So kind of doing a lot of interval sprinting from a conditioning standpoint to just help get used to that. Uh, game flow and the you know game speed is always something you hear a lot of athletes talk about, and it's it's difficult to mimic that on your own or in a practice setting. So, unfortunately, it could be a bit of a wake up call for athletes as they go right into you know some of these games starting up about a month out here. And, and so, the, I would just again advise people to try to get as sport specific as you can with the start and stopping of the conditioning aspects of it, and then with movement patterns as well. So, jumping, cutting, starting, stopping. And that's probably where some of the biggest risks lie in terms of if athletes haven't been doing much over the last four or five months uh, and then jumping right into a season, that's where they are going to be at a high risk of injury, unfortunately, because their body's just not used to a lot of those movement patterns and especially the, the intensity of the movement, so rapid starting, stopping, sprinting, jumping, you know, those types of things. If they haven't been doing those, um, throughout the last couple months, there definitely is a higher risk of injury in those situations. I hit the uh, 40 plateau the last couple of years here, and then the injuries kind of started. And I always get—I thought you said 40 in vertical. That's good. <laughs> yeah, I wish uh, that. No, I've, I maybe maybe at one point in my life, maybe not quite 40, but um, at, at one point. So I've always because I play basketball quite a bit, I play quite a bit of volleyball, but I always get picked on because I'm always stretching. I'm, I'm they call them jumping ricks instead of jumping jacks. <laughs> And, and stuff like that, but the, uh, other people tell me, you know, static stretching, don't even do that. You need to do. Can you just like before kids get into mimicking, uh, you know, what they're going to do when they run the football or block? They, how should they warm up or how should they ease into this? Yeah, we're starting to see more of a transition away from static stretching into it's kind of called dynamic stretching or dynamic movements, where it's not necessarily holding a position and counting to ten. It's maybe doing walking lunges or some type of kind of hurtling motion uh, or down in a kneeling position, and you're kind of kneeling down into more of a, a stretch. And it's more of a continuous kind of movement throughout a full range of motion. And just like the name implies, more of a dynamic movement pattern. That seems to be a better way to kind of prime the body for whatever the upcoming 
sport happens to be. So that's kind of what we recommend a lot with, with warm-ups is you maybe do some type of general warm-up to get the heart rate going, just some light jogging, and then it's doing dynamic movement patterns that are, again, close to what you're going to be doing for that sport. So if it's you know something like volleyball where there's a lot of overhead fighting, definitely getting the shoulders and upper body warmed up. Uh, and same thing with the, the legs and knees getting ready to land. And so doing as close to the sport, you know, related movement patterns as you can is also going to be key in that warm-up period. Jumping ricks, too? Do those? Yeah. Those yep, are good. Jumping ricks, those help. <laughs> All right. Dr. Andrew Jagum, thanks a lot for, for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me on. All right. Thanks a lot. Uh, Dr. Andrew Jagum is the director of sports medicine research at Mayo Clinic Health System right here in La Crosse. He's uh, he's kind of got two jobs right now. He's he, he his his actual job where he's doing this sports medicine research stuff. But since there are no sports, it's hard to do that. So you know he's got to figure out how how to uh, how to work through a pandemic and and kind of give guidance there. And and right now, as as we talk about the WIAA pushing back sports to about a month from now or or less. And you know if your kids have been sitting on the couch or if they just haven't been competing. You got to get them started doing that and and start slow and work up to it. You got time, but but that's uh that's the advice he has and 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 then try to simulate the sport that you're gonna you're gonna do. You know, once you you kind of get loosened up. All right, we're gonna take a quick break. We'll be back to wrap up after this. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. We're gonna see a wrap up here. We got a couple of callers coming on. I'll get to these calls quick. Uh, Eric Sparta, you're on again. Go ahead. Yeah, I must tell you, was a friend of mine's father-in-law contracted COVID, and he was hit with him with his wife, and they tested negative after that. Later, her father-in-law tested negative, too, but he still feels bad because the damage it done to his internal organs. People, you got to wear a mask, period. Thanks, Mike. All right, thanks a lot, Eric. Uh, and Gary's calling in. Gary, go ahead. You're on. Hey, Rick. Well, today I was golfing with a friend of mine from high school, and we were talking about if they do do high school school sports in the summer, and you played sports, I played sports, once you've graduated, how many of those kids do you think would still want to do the sports for the summer? Well, they have they have summer baseball, so a lot of those kids still do that, like Gale, or Tremplo, that uh, so the schools out in that area, West Salem, it does that, I believe. They, I haven't paid attention to, to summer baseball in a while, but when I was covering sports there, we, you know, that that's what I did during the week is a lot of those summer baseball games. Um, but, but, uh, you know, beyond that, you know, kids play, kids want to play baseball in the summer. They're in Legion teams and a lot of AAU basketball. And that's kind of the big way to get noticed, you know, go to these bigger AAU where you can play better competition. If you're, if you're trying to, you know, prolong your, your, your sports career, um, the idea of playing football in the summer seems a little little crazy. And then, you know, do I play football or do I go out for track? You know, like if right. they if they have to postpone yeah. sports to the spring. Um, yeah, it sucks, really. Honestly, that's all it does is it just sucks. Yeah, I feel sorry for those kids. It's terrible. But I don't know. I'm just curious what you thought about that. We, Him and I kicked it around and we were like, well, you know, some may be starting jobs and some may be getting ready for college. So it just sucks to be a, a young man or gal nowadays and uh, with what they're going through for school. I feel sorry for them. Yeah, definitely. All right. Thanks for the call, Gary. Have okay. a good weekend. Yeah, take care, Rick. Yeah, just it's, it really does. It really sucks in, in terms of being able to go to school. I mean, honestly, like, do the the, the kids, uh, your your kids probably don't really care, right? Like, oh, I don't have to go to school. But when you think back, you know, like, oh, that was a pretty good time 
maybe for most of us, right? That was pretty good time in, in your life. Just, you know, having high, your high school friends and high school sports, obviously for me was, was great until I broke my leg and then it wasn't great. Uh, track season, I did play track senior year, just only senior year. And I learned like, oh, dang, I should have been out for track all four years of my high school career. I don't know why I didn't do that. You just, you run a 10 second race, you throw a shot put, which takes, you know, like four minutes, maybe total, not even, it takes like maybe a minute to, to throw the shot four or eight times. And then the rest of the time you're just hanging out with your high school friends. (laughs) Like it was great girls. There's girls here too. Uh, so yeah, I, I hope uh, I hope sports get back and 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 we don't have any of these hiccups that I I feel like we're gonna have. But um, all right, so that's gonna that's gonna wrap up the show for the week. Uh, Bob Euchre, he might even be doing he might even be doing pregame right now. I don't know how they're doing pregame. I don't know if they're gonna you know Bob Euchre is getting up there in age. They they save him for you know the good innings and and certain games, but obviously he's gonna be calling this game. So if you want to listen to the Brewers. Tune in to 96.7 FM, 580 AM right now and see if he's not on now, he's going to be on in, I think first pitch is at 610. So he'll definitely be on at 610 to to call this game. Last year when the Brewers opened up, if you remember, Christian Yelich hit a home run every game, the first four games of the season. And, and then he had like a three home run game and he was just on fire. So I hope that can continue as well. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. Have a good weekend.